Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Well, I always say we have a special episode for you guys, but today we really do because we are going to cover Werewolf by Night, which is literally a special presentation by Marvel coming out during She-Hulk, right in time for the Halloween period. So we are super excited to cover it. Katie, what were your initial thoughts? I enjoyed it. I think for the first time in a long time, I chose to watch this in the sense of not worrying about everything else about it. So I... And not that I don't love pulling things apart, because I obviously do, and I like to read into things and create theories, but honestly, I felt like I genuinely just got to sit back and enjoy this special presentation and not stare at it extremely intense and feel like I have to pull everything apart because I didn't feel like it was... Like, I, I want to say it's good. I didn't feel like it was the kind of thing that I feel like I have to deep dive into. Like, I feel like I got to just enjoy a Halloween special and I'm happy about that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was thinking about the bigger picture just because I know, you know, some of the things that, you know, are coming down the pike and we'll get to that in a second. But just from a purely like entertainment standpoint, which is I think what you were touching on, Kate, I just thought this was one of the best things that Marvel's put out period. I so enjoyed it. You know, I think they were really going and they talked a lot about that, you know, like, early 1900s like horror film like those real classics and I thought they nailed the tone the actor uh Gael Garcia Bernal who plays Werewolf by Night he is one of my favorite actors so I was so excited to see him in the role and I just thought it was so fun I thought the black and white the use of color I think there's a lot to dive into there and I just genuinely enjoyed it with everything from the music to the look was I thought it was fantastic No, I agree. As someone who really enjoys those types of films, especially, I don't love horror, but I do love the old horror. And so I have to say, like, the style was perfect. And that's why I think I was able to just put aside thinking of this as a Marvel project and just being able to watch it and enjoy it wholeheartedly for what it was, because I think it was more of a callback to a different genre and a different time than it was to me of anything that goes into our current MCU of where it's at. Because I... And I, I'm not saying to diss on anything the MCU has put out because I've quite enjoyed a lot of the projects that have come out of Phase 4. I know that's a disputed thing, but I've quite enjoyed them. It's just, you know, the MCU is not doing what this special presentation is doing. So I, I like, that's why I guess my brain also was like, we're going to enjoy this for what this is going to be within the first two minutes because I could already tell when the Marvel credits started and they and it broke up with the slashing. I, like, I genuinely, had, like, jumped because I wasn't, expecting that and so as soon as that happened and it turned to black and white and everything I was like okay we don't I don't need to think too hard about this and I'm not going to worry about the bigger MCU because Marvel is telling me from the get-go this is different almost like figuratively like (laughs) by the slashing through the Marvel like almost figuratively and and physically showing us like no 
This is not just Marvel. This is not your heroes of what we're used to. And then they say it, you know, actually in the show as well at the very beginning. Yeah, it also reminded me, too, of the very beginning few episodes of WandaVision in the way that it's so styled to a specific period and meant to pay homage to that. Even like, like I said, with the use of color and black and white at the end, the way she comes into color, I thought that was so cool. And it reminded me of how much fun WandaVision was and how much we enjoyed watching that because it was so, you know, tied to specific eras. And that was also something that I just thought was awesome because it brought me back to maybe a simpler time. I don't know. In the MCU. Wanda wasn't evil then, so that's good. But, you know, you kept talking a lot about how it doesn't tie into the MCU. I did some research after just to tie a few things together because I don't like loose ends. And I definitely, I think part of my motivation is, like I said, I really love Gael, so I'm excited to see him in the future. And so I kind of wanted to see, like, where could we see Jack Russell moving forward. So Jack Russell, Werewolf by Night, played by Gael Garcia Bernal. He actually is in certain iterations of the Midnight Suns, which I think Katie and I have talked about a lot. There are more and more players from that starting to come on the board. So definitely, definitely excited about that potentially coming down the pike. One thing that I thought was super, super interesting, he's actually really, his family is really involved with the Darkhold, which immediately ties him into Wanda, which I thought was interesting because even the Bloodstone was giving me WandaVision vibes, a little bit of Infinity Stone vibes as well. Like, I want to understand the origin of the Bloodstone. But lastly, the one of the last things I want to say about Jack and his family is they actually owned Wondagore Mountain, or whatever it's called, which is the place where that temple to the Scarlet Witch is in MOM. So I think, you know, we've always categorized or started to categorize basically in Phase 4, you've got your street-level heroes, your space guys, and then you've got your kind of mystical I think we all kind of knew this was going to be mystical, but I think it's, you know, just knowing the history of some of these characters helps you really start to see exactly where they start to fit in. So definitely just wanted to provide a little bit of that context because I thought it was super, super interesting. Yeah, and out of everything you said, I think the most likely place we'd see him as a character moving forward will be in the Midnight Suns. To your point, we've been seeing a lot of them come onto the board within really Phase 4 specifically. I think there may might have been one or two of them I'm thinking strange and I don't even... I think that's it. Yeah, I was like, I'm th- I'm like trying to remember who's on that roster. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure all the ones that we've really been talking about are presently appearing in Phase 4. So I wouldn't be surprised. Just a reminder that the Midnight Suns are kind of like... Uh, let's say kind of like how you think about the Dark Avengers slash Thunderbolts idea, but like even more down that dark route. Yeah, I would say, like, if you're going to go that analogy, like, you have the Thunderbolts for kind of, like, your street-level stuff, and then you almost have the Midnight Suns for kind of your mystical monster stuff. So, like, yeah, they're very similar, just, like, kind of focused on different levels of villains. And a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And I say that because if you're any, and and we've talked about the Midnight Suns, so I don't want to get too much into that, but if you're aware of any of the people on the roster, they um have a little bit more gruesome tactics yeah. to how they tend to handle <laughs> situations. But I mean, even look at, and that I think that's a great segue into, look at this. Look at how gory this was. Yeah. Like, I genuinely don't think, and you know, we saw some things even in MOM, but like, I mean, we saw a whole guy's, like, head explode from the inside out. But this was, like, different level gory. Like, I and I, I know I mentioned this, and if you're coming from our She-Hulk episode, 
I mentioned this literally the prior episode, <laughs> but I'm currently watching Legacies, part of the Vampire Diaries, and they do a lot of the like beheading and ripping open of people. And so like I'm very much in that mindset right now. So I like no part of this was surprising or anything of that nature because I was like, I literally have been watching this for the past two weeks of people just, you know, being beheaded and everything. But I thought it was amazing because once again, it goes back to that classical gore. It wasn't too much and it wasn't like you're staring at people getting like cut open or anything gross. Like you see the blood splatter, you're like, ah, okay. Like, okay, the head rolled up. Okay, whatever. Like it wasn't anything that you're sitting there like... I never have to sit there and feel like it's so realistic either that I'm like, oh my God, that's that's a too much for me. Like, it was the right amount, in my opinion. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too. Someone from Marvel even said, like, the only way we could get away with doing this was because it was in black and white, because the level of sheer gore would have been, like, kind of excessive for Disney Plus if it had been in color, which, like, totally tracks. Well, and it had all the shadows, too, because it, and that was the other thing, was the lighting played a really good part in all of this to really not make you feel like you're watching the most gruesome thing. I think back to even, and I'm sure I brought my narrative about this up before, the Halloween movies, (laughs) and obviously, you know, it's Halloween time, we gotta talk about it, and obviously Michael Myers walks around, you know, stabbing people, but even then I don't feel like I ever, out of all the time I've watched these movies, I mean, there's one of them which they now technically don't count in the series. I don't know. Confused. It's a weird timeline in that franchise. But, like, Michael's beheaded at one point. <laughs> like, and no one... It, it It's not gory. And that's what this felt like. And those movies are from the 70s and 80s. Like, it had that right vibe. Because I feel like a lot of movies and shows these days do gory to do gory. Yeah, for the shock factor. Yeah, and it's too much. Like, it's to the point where it's like, this isn't worth watching because I'm... I don't need to watch this. So I thought this was really well done, if I'm being honest, but that wraps all up into, you know, Werewolf by Night, Werewolf for short, (laughs) he is abbreviated, which is weird because you just call him Werewolf, but whatever. He is obviously gruesome. And it's interesting because as of right now, he loses control of himself when he's a werewolf. Going back to any Vampire Diary fans, you know that's like a big thing and then they find a way to not do that. Whatever. It's a whole thing. But I almost wonder, knowing my knowledge of that show, if that will be an eventual track because I can't see... I mean, like, if you think... If you want to relate him to the Avengers, he's almost like their version of the Hulk. Let's say that. That was my... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. But the thing was, was like, the Hulk was still a level of controlled to a degree and he wasn't like actively ripping people's heads off and stuff like that so i'm kind of wondering like his future is that wrapped in like a way of him being able to control when he turns for one because as of right now if he doesn't have that stone he's only turning on a full moon which i feel like is very limiting to be a superhero but also to control his actions while he's actually the werewolf I feel like will be important because you can't trust him to not rip apart the entire room rather than just the villains. Yeah, I actually, that kind of brings up one of the things that kind of threw me. So I almost purposely, one, I didn't have time, but two, I kind of purposely didn't want to go into this having read too much about the characters because to your point, I just wanted to kind of see like, this is their first special, like what is it going to be like? And I didn't want to have all that in the back of my head, right? So I was actually very surprised, you know, the way they set it up. 
the kind of bloodstone cult or whatever, you're like, oh, they hunt monsters. They must be the good guys. And then to find out that the monsters are actually the good guys and the cult, the, the, the monster hunters are the bad guys, was like a really fun twist that like if you're coming into this kind of blind, like I think we both did, like that was very fun, but it also kind of goes to that idea of like, yes, he's a hero because like Jack's a good guy and like that's undisputed. But like, how does the werewolf, who's definitely more in that gray area, like how does he play in? It's super interesting. Yeah, and, and as we're bringing up the monsters, confirm for me that was Man Thing. It was in fact Man Thing. Okay, because funny story about Man Thing, I have a Marvel encyclopedia, as you know any Marvel fan would. And I use it a lot. I use it a lot for information for the show, for the blog, XYZ, whatever. And I will tell you, for some weird reason, every time I flip, I always land on the page with Man Thing. <laughs> and I always remember, as soon as I got that book, I always think, what the heck is this thing? And I never give myself the time to, like, read that area because I'm always on a mission. But I'm always like, this is such a weird thing. Like, I wonder if this is ever going to show up in Marvel, like in the MCU. So can I give you the answer? You're going to love it because it's something we've been talking about a lot. He is a mistaken attempt at recreating Cap Serum. Okay, so I have two things. (laughs) (laughs) The first, when you first said, can I give you an answer, I thought you were going to be like, Yes, he does appear in the MCU, and I was going to be like, wow, thank you for stating that. But two, I'm just going to say, and I don't think this is a lesson made by Man-Thing, but I do believe it's just a lesson that once again, apparently, needs to be reiterated. Can we stop trying to recreate a serum and testing it on people because it's not working out so well? I would like to point out the percent success rate because it's very low. It's like two yeah out of like now well i guess maybe if you count faux cap i guess it's really three but that was like directly from his blood serum okay fine so i don't even count that two real ones that's it out of i guess we're kind of approaching probably 10 people overall you've got bruce you've got oh my gosh yelena's dad whose name is currently escaping me alexi see alexi yeah but his is fairly good just a little weaker yeah but it's still not a per i'm talking perfect perfect serum and i i'm not going to go through and list all the rest of them but like the list of oh man thing but the list of people who have been negatively affected by trying this just keeps growing and i'm like all right can we all just you know say there's one steve rogers one guy who got the perfect serum, and uh, then there's two. Bucky, yeah, Bucky, my who man. is, you know, has a slightly different serum. I will just say there's one, like, because everybody's re- trying to recreate Steve's, right? So there's one, like, he's kind of, like, held up as the pinnacle of superhero, super soldier serum. Although, I will argue, and I don't need to, I, I know we don't need to go down this road too far, but I will argue that Russia actually was probably the most successful because they also had made, like, five other super soldiers that just were out of control. Well, theirs didn't die with the creator. So that was kind of America's, like, big mistake was not building in a redundancy and having only one man truly know the serum. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, technically, Russia pulled it off multiple times. They just got to a point where they were, like, so, such good soldiers, and they couldn't mind control them the way that they wanted because they were, you know, had that whole extra aspect, because that's their thing. But, (laughs) regardless, once again, PSA, let's stop trying to recreate this. 
But either way, I love Ted. I literally adored Ted. Like, as soon as they showed him in the bushes, I was like, I'm gonna love you now, and you're gonna be my little squishy. I know, he's so freaking cute. But here's the fun thing. One, he totally destroyed that woman. As he showed, she was annoying. She was the worst. Two, he's like a nexus point protector. So, like, he's also, like, majorly... Well, we all know he's powerful because he, like, destroyed people. But, like... He's also, like, majorly important. So, like, I'm very curious, again, kind of bringing it back to, like, where can these characters be going? Like, very curious to see where he goes because we're getting very much between WandaVision, MOM, into that whole, like, Nexus thing. And it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. See, for the time being, I don't see him venturing far from Jack. I feel like... Uh, what I learned from this special presentation is they tend to be a package deal. They're BFFs. Yes, they are. I like Rocket and Groot, though. It's the same thing. Like, that's very much the vibe I'm getting, and Rocket doesn't go anywhere without Groot, and vice versa. So I'm feeling like the next time they make an appearance, we'll be together, because, you know, it very much gives that vibe of, you know, I got your back, you got mine. We're good. Totally. I just mean, like, further down the road. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be in, like, the next next Nexus-related event, but I could see as his character evolves, him kind of being in that realm. The last character I want to talk about is Elsa Bloodstone. Just to say, her origin in this show was actually changed from the comics a little bit, so that really just opens a wider question for me in the sense that it makes me curious, like, what else will change? I think one of the things that they kept was the kind of romantic relationship that she and Jack seem to be kind of developing. I think it's interesting two days in a row we're getting two very compelling couples from Marvel, so I'm in love with that. I'm very happy. But, you know, I also, like I said, it makes me wonder, like, as these characters evolve, like, we've talked a little bit about, you know, where they come from in the comics, what they might be tied to, what else could be changed to make them fit into the MCU the way we know it. And that definitely makes me interested um, to see where they all go because I really, really enjoyed this and I'm enjoying Marvel's foray into monsters. Yeah, and I mean, at least for me, my last thought is wrapped in, obviously we see it come into color at the end. To your earlier point, talking about WandaVision, very much same kind of vibe and I liked that. To me, that felt like we were becoming... Um, modernized. Yep. And so I very much am intrigued to understand, like, where we're at with this. As this is, I'm very sure, a character who they're going to continue to want to explore with. I mean, also, to be fair, if it would have been, like, a nobody name who they casted, I could have maybe been like, yeah, okay, I could see it being, like, a one-off kind of thing. But I'm sorry, but depending on the actors that you're casting, like, obviously, I mean, we did the same thing with Titania. We were like, This is too big of an actress to, like, just waste her in that one singular episode, although I do think they wasted her. Regardless, (laughs) I'm thinking, you know, if we're semi-feeling modernized now, where are we at? Like, what time is it, I guess, is my bigger question. Like, like what and what world is it? Like, am I to assume this is Earth? Because we've never run into monsters the way that we're, we're seeing, and this was clearly a big thing. I mean... They've killed hundreds of monsters. Yeah, well, maybe that's why we haven't seen them, you know? Yeah, fair. But also, I mean, you clearly had Jack out here trying to protect as many as possible. And when they were saying his kills, his kills were hunters, not monsters. He was killing hunters. That's what I got from that. Oh, I got it. He counted his kills as a werewolf. Yeah, but I was getting that he was killing 
not monsters. I was getting he was killing hunters. Well, right. I just meant, like, can he actually, like, like you were saying before, he's out of control. Can he actually, like, for back, lack of better, like, term, point and shoot and be like, I'm gonna turn now, but make sure that I only hurt these people who are hurting my people? Like, I, to what you were saying, like, don't know if he has that level of control or if they were just, like, innocent bystanders. And I'm not saying that it was only during what him being a werewolf that he was killing these people. That's fair. I mean, he very much was trying to protect his the monsters and the people who are t- essentially his brethren i wouldn't be against the fact that he was a hunter he just was hunting humans who were hunting his monsters and what he called his family so because he's protecting them and i i put trust in him and obviously we saw what he did as a werewolf i guess i'm like clearly there's still a lot of monsters out there where like where are we fitting i guess that's the last piece of the puzzle for me is like where is this narrative going to go? Because I loved this as a standalone, and that's why I enjoyed being able to watch it as one. But as Taylor likes to open that bigger picture, and we're kind of putting that under scrutiny right now, it's kind of like, where did this ending take us? Because I was hoping there'd be an end credit scene, and there wasn't. I know. I kept scrolling through, and I was like, where is it? Like, what is going to happen next? I don't know. I think, you know, Midnight Suns is probably a couple years off yet. So maybe we'll see him in an end credit scene just to kind of keep the plate warm, if you will, so that we don't completely lose track of him for years and years on end. But I can't imagine where we'd see him again. You know, the closest things he's related to now, I would say, are actually, I could see him in like somewhere in an end credit scene or even being related to an Agatha House of Harkness, just knowing kind of that whole witch's coven thing. She did kind of that spell with the stone. So Maybe that's where we see Jack make another appearance. But short of that, I really think it's got to be a Midnight Suns. Yeah. And somehow fitting the monster realm, finding that way to fit the monster realm, living almost parallel but underneath the MCU as we know it. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And I think that's kind of the point they made at the beginning of this special presentation as well is that, you know, we see our heroes on the top and then below all of that, there's... There's more and there's more in the darkness. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see where it takes us. But also I was excited to watch this as it's spooky season. And I quite enjoy spooky season. So yeah, well, that is all I've got to say about Werewolf by Night. Katie is nodding to me, telling me that she feels the same. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. I also hope that Marvel keeps doing these. I know there's a Christmas special on the docket left for this year. So this has been fun, and I'm excited to see these characters move on, and I'm excited to see this format continue because this was great. So if you guys are, you know, looking forward to all of our future coverage as we're starting to come to the end of the year, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Some of you have already rated us, which we cannot thank you enough. If you haven't given us a rating or review and you would like to, it'd be much, much appreciated. You can also check out our blog linked in the show notes. Like Katie said, she does a ton of research for it, so it's a great resource for you if you just want some quick hits about some characters. You can also buy any of our merch if you so choose in the Redbubble link in the show notes as well. Make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. For all the news about our show and any Marvel projects, everything will be there. So just make sure you're hitting that follow button. And since we're talking about Werewolf by Night, also make sure you guys are subscribing to our newsletter. You can do that on the blog or through the Twitter. Uh, I bring that up because we did do a feature on Werewolf by Night in preparation for this. So if you were getting it in your mailbox, you would have had a background on him. So make sure you guys are definitely signing up for that. 
In the meantime, we have the last episode of She-Hulk, which will be coming out next week. Sigh. Um, (laughs) And then we also will be gearing up for Black Panther, which the second one, which will be coming out sooner than you think. Tickets are already on sale, so make sure you guys are getting your tickets for that. And in the meantime, I know there's been a lot of content, but you got to keep up with that. All of ours, all of Marvel's, because Marvel just blew your mind, so let's talk about it. Thank you.